Good day. My name is David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and a best-selling author, and I want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. The premise is simple. The podcast will provide you with insights for living and leading the authentic way, so you will be better equipped to amplify your positive impact as a difference maker in any area of your life. What's unique about this experience is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley. I am ex super excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are both so passionate about. It has been amazing, uh, these episodes so far. We're having a good time, and I hope that uh, you as listeners are gaining something from it. But honestly, that'll be bonus because I'm just enjoying <laughs> myself here. So, uh, Haley, it's always good. Always. It's so fun. Highlight of my week. <laughs> now, listen, uh, you just got married. I and did. So, uh, I'm amazed that you're doing this podcast with me. I know you're going to head out on a little mini honeymoon, uh, but uh -huh. we just uh, came from Ottawa about two days ago and uh, after your wedding. So how are you doing? I'm feeling I, I, I don't really know where I am. Truthfully, I feel like it's been such a whirlwind uh, over the last <laughs> not even month, but, you know, we spent two years engaged. So I feel like it's just sort of been uh, woo. So, and I feel like, you know, we've still got, you know, vases and plastic dinosaurs and greenery that's still lying all around our house. So it's a, uh, so, you know, it feels good to have a little bit of normal routine here. <laughs> so I appreciate it. <laughs> well, as my, as my grandson and your nephew would say, it's been a blast. <laughs> it, was it was certainly a blast. Oh, I'm so glad. 10 days with you getting ready for the whole thing. And, uh, helping orchestrate and supporting that whole deal. <laughs> yeah, so grateful. So grateful. So I uh, want to put a little context to this whole uh, podcast. We call it the ne Leader's Navigator. And really what, what we're about here, and, and this is the focus of my work, is to guide people to become who they're meant to be in life. And then, and then once you connect with yourself and be who you're meant to be, you can create environments around you, whether it's a school or a team or a company or uh, whatever the environment, a board of directors, wherever that environment that you help people be who they're meant to be. And then once you connect people to their authentic self, you'll never have to motivate or, or uh, worry about employee engagement anymore because it'll just come naturally through them. And that's what we're ultimately navigating people to is to themselves so that they can be more fully who they are. Yeah. And this is the work that I'm uh, completely passionate about and, and uh, creating environments where people can be the best that, we are, that they can be. And it's really about connecting to our full dimension of humanity and letting that full uh, fullness come out. And I, what I thought we would do is we're going to have a little bit of a theme here, seeing as we just got through a wedding. <laughs> but I also I, I want to look at the, the whole notion of backstage work, yeah. because what, what I learned from Disney is that Disney has this magic that you go there, it's the happiest place on earth. You and I, Haley, have been to Disneyland. We know how magic it is. But the magic isn't really phony. It's actually very real. And it, 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 it connects you with something. But there's something really important that Disney does. And that is that they have a backstage culture. They have a storefront culture and a backstage culture. So that you're out in the front, in the public, 
but then when you're done your shift, whether you're Cinderella and you've been walking around, you know, I hate to spoil the, uh, I hate to spoil this for our listeners, but there's actually a person underneath those characters that walk around the park all day. And those, per- those, per- those, those characters are human. Yeah. And underneath this, after you've been asked 30 times, you know, what time is the three o'clock parade? You could probably <laughs> strangle some of these guests, but you have to create the magic. So what do you do with the hidden side, the darker side is that you go down underneath and they have a whole underground culture that's almost as big as these tunnels underneath is almost as big as the culture up front. And what you do is you get a chance to go and complain and and unload and, and get all of the darker side out in this backstage culture. Now they have a strong rule that you don't bring the dark, the, the backstage culture into the storefront culture but they respect and honor the full spectrum. This is authenticity, is that it isn't just about the magic. You know, people say, well, I want that magic all day long, but all all my life. Well, the worst thing you could do is go and live at Disneyland because pretty soon the magic would run off. It's just like a honeymoon, right? The (laughs) magic, you know, we had magic this weekend, but I want to explore today. And this is, and people say to me sometimes, well, you just want to, Why do you talk about the darker side? You just wreck people's good life. But in actuality, you have to, this is the full spectrum is to honor both. If, you know, and and there's always a dark side. There's a dark side in a family. There's dark sides. And sometimes you get individuals who care, who are carriers of the family's dark sides. This darker side, this notion of the backstage culture so that's what I'd like to explore. I mean, we had this magic. I would like this weekend, I'd like to explore the backstage, not yeah. to minimize the magic and the beauty and the wonder of it all, but I want to explore the backstage culture and see what your backstage culture, I'm going to express what my backstage culture was during that 10 days that we had together <laughs> with, the, with the premise that, that this is what's required to experience the full spectrum of the human experience uh, called authenticity. And if we don't acknowledge it, it, it'll come out in other ways. You know, if you don't acknowledge it in organizations, it'll come out in other ways. You know, if we don't acknowledge it in a wedding, it comes out in ways like drinking and eating too much (laughs) and drinking too much and, or, or, or judging and complaining. And this is often what happens in organizations is it comes out somewhere. If we don't bring it out into the sunlight, you know, as we say, sunlight is the best disinfectant. You have to bring it out into the open, but you have to bring it out in constructive ways. So just before we get into the details of that, give me your thoughts of this, because I know as an actress, you know about yeah. backstage work. So I just yeah. wouldn't be curious what your take is on all that. I like to visualize the sort of the backstage work as like almost roots underneath a tree. Um, it's not visible, but it's what keeps people, it, it's what keeps things grounded. It's like the groundwork, the backstage work, the groundwork is where the grounding happens. Um, and so while like the roots themselves are ugly, right? Like roots compared to like a flower or a plant, they're not as picturesque. They're, they're brown in color and they're, they're spindly and they're, but they're, they're strong and they're structured and they're critical for the, the tree or the plant to get its nutrients, but they're invisible. Right. And so, um, and I found like through my own, I guess, personal work with, um, you know, therapy and all that kind of stuff, 
um, that for me to, 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 to put as much trust in the groundwork and the roots as I can so that the tree part, the, the good bits can, can grow and flourish. So, uh, um, the way that I see that is, is, you know, controlling what I can control in the lead up to a wedding or an event, um, you know, making sure everything is planned out as, as it needs to be so that when the event itself happens, it can just sort of go. Um, I used to do a lot of, as you know, dad, I used to do a lot of theater, um, in my youth. That was my background at university, studied drama and theater. And so that's exactly where that plays out as well. Um, you know, there are months and months and months and months of prep work ahead of time um, and, and hard work and grueling work and rehearsal and scaffolding and uh, scrapping and drafting and scrapping and drafting and scrapping and drafting and editing and revising and rehearsing over and over again so that for the, the you know, a few, few minutes or hours that a piece is on stage, it's beautiful and you just let it happen, right? But for the audience, they don't see the, the work the behind the, the behind the scenes work. They don't see the roots underneath that, but they're so critical in making that show and that performance beautiful. And that's where I think too, especially when we're talking about authenticity, I think a lot of people think of performances as, as fake, as performative being the opposite of authenticity, but I disagree. I think it's just the most visible part of it. I think it's just one part of a multifaceted self of a multifaceted identity, right? Like the Disneyland, the, the show of, of Cinderella and the costumes is just as real as the backstage pieces. They're both important. It's yin and yang, you know? Um, and so, and so I think in order to make that, that performance, that the wedding day itself, so wonderful and beautiful and stress-free as possible, there was a lot of groundwork that needed to happen. And that isn't always the most sexy, beautiful, romanticized version of it. It's a lot of the, the grit and the hard work, but essential for keeping things grounded. Um, and so, yeah, like, I mean, there was hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of, of prep work for that wedding to happen, of calling vendors and negotiating with florists and with my, the officiant and, um, you know, with caterers and tasting things and, and revising and things like that. Um, but the wedding itself, I, I mean, I just expressed to you too, was not an anxious thing for me. I've dealt with a lot of anxiety in my life, as we've talked a lot about on this podcast, but that day of, it felt very much like a performance, like, you know, here we are, we've made it, this is it, we've done all the work for it. And that means both planning the wedding, but also, you know, with my now husband, which is crazy to say, um, you know, that we've done all that groundwork, you know, leading up to that, you know, we've been engaged for two years, we were friends for and colleagues for a year before that and dating for, you know, I guess, two, you know, for a year before that too. So we've been together a long time and had to work through a lot of stuff just for that one performance. Um, but, you know, there's the wedding and a marriage and those are two different things and I'm recognizing that, but you know, that, um, you know, that the groundwork is grounding and that's where I found the best way to alleviate my anxiety is to, to do as much work ahead of time as possible so that the performance itself can shine. Oh, I love that analogy of the roots and mm -hmm. taking care of the roots. And it's not the prettiest sexy part of the plant, but mm -hmm. it's absolute necessary grounding. It's the foundation. And I, I would suggest that the magic of leadership, where you really build a, a team that just thrives and is, you know, in the flow and creative and innovative and, and productive and engaged, and there's high trust, there's a magic to that. But it, it, it doesn't happen with a bunch of just techniques. It's the hard work that you, you know, it's the same degree of effort that goes into uh, what you pulled off on at the wedding. 
So let's explore this a little bit more. Any, any yeah, uh, was, quick thoughts on that? I was just thinking about that too, especially when you look at an organization that when you're expressing gratitude and appreciation and acknowledging um, just for, for, for people to look not at the most obvious areas, you know, like not at the most beautiful PowerPoint that was created or the most stunning presentation or newsletter that went out, but to look for the, for, look for the roots, look for the, the, the groundwork that isn't always beautiful and, and, and present, but it's, is the, the, the blood, sweat and tears that often doesn't get as acknowledged as the beautiful, pretty result. Um, and you know, what, what I found working in different organizations is, um, that a lot of people who do a lot of the groundwork because they're not the performative type of people, oftentimes, not always, um, but they don't always get the credit and the acknowledgement that they deserve, even though they've put in so much work, they're not always the, the star of the show, if you will, they're the, the backstage hand and the, and the crew that, that are working the set pieces and editing the final piece and drafting and researching and putting things together in an organization, but they don't always get the acknowledgement and recognition as the people out there on stage, if that makes sense. Um, absolutely so absolutely recognize and to so look the, for you know there's yeah there's the 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 people who build the you know who, who do all the backstage work to make it happen and they often don't get the recognition absolutely well i'm gonna just get real personal here in terms of looking at um i'm gonna just start with understanding the backstage work in my own family growing up so we had, you know, it's interesting when you get families together, as we had this last week, you get all <laughs> these dynamics that surface and all this old family uh, structures and systems and, and, uh, and, and processes that surface. And it brought to my mind, I had a long conversation with my sister about when we had big events like this, Christmas or any holiday season or family reunions, my mother would just go the extra mile to just put by gifts and put effort. And she just de depleted herself by doing that. And then what would happen when she was depleted? She didn't acknowledge the depletion. And this is, she didn't acknowledge the backstage work. All it was was the presentation. And she wanted to make the presentation look good. And then what would happen is that she would, something would get triggered and her rage would come out. And that all of the beauty that she had created would just be destroyed in just a few moments when she would just lose control of her temper and that rage would surface. And so I, I have inherited that same pattern. And so when I came, when I come into an event like your wedding, I want to make sure that I don't go into a rage. But I also have to recognize that I got to take care of myself because I have that same propensity toward anxiety, toward excitement that will lead to a crash. I have that same propensity and I have to acknowledge it. And that's the backstage work. And to be really honest and frank with you, Haley, last week, I didn't actually honor that very much. What I did was I just came in, I wanted to be of service. I wanted to be, I wanted to make it a great experience for you. And I gave and I gave and I gave, but I got overtired. And I noticed by the end of the week that my impatience was surfacing, but I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't pay attention to the, the little um, indicators. Emotions are like indicator lights and that they came on. But I, I noticed myself getting impatient. 
I don't think you would have seen it, but I know Val, you know, your mom and I, you know, your, her, the people that were the closest there to me, they would have seen it. But what happens is that I, I internalize it because I don't want to be like my mother and I don't want to go into a, a rage. So I internalize it. And, and what, what, uh, honestly, what happened was that on this, you know, after the wedding on the next day, and by the way, I just have to say your in-laws are amazing uh, hosts. Yeah. So they, you know, we had that rehearsal dinner. And so they set the bar very high for hosting. They had all that food and it was good food and it was entertaining and it was so welcoming. And so I all of a sudden felt like I wanted to do the same thing. So we were hosting that party in the park. And I'm just going to give you an example of some of that backstage work for me, because I didn't really I never really got clear about it until actually on the way home. And and Val and I processed it yesterday. But what was happening is I had. And then we went to the park and, you know, it was the day after the wedding. And, you know, frankly, I wasn't very prepared for it. We just threw a bunch of food together, bought some stuff, some Costco stuff. And then it, it didn't measure up to my expectation of what your in-laws did for us. So I went into, I went into an internal rage and that's, I, that's what got triggered for me, but I wasn't going to lose it. I, I knew, but what it did was it went into shame and I had what I would call a shame attack where I went into this dark, dark place where I started to say, I, you know, I, I'm useless and I, 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 I don't want to be around anybody. And I just kind of wanted to curl up and it was like a rage, but it was internalized. And that was, I've, I've had to work that through. And yet, uh, I wanted to make a good presentation to everybody. So I was impression managing and I was managing this impression that I had, but inside um, I was going through all of this darkness and, and self-degradation. And I knew that it was my thoughts, but I couldn't, I couldn't lock out of it. And then it went to the next day because I didn't even acknowledge that I just kind of went through the motions and I wasn't as connected to people at the park the next day as I would have liked to have been. I kind of just went through the motions, but I kind of just walled up. And then the next day when we took our rental car back, you and, and uh, AJ were very patiently waiting outside while we went in. And I had this expectation that the rental car would be like when we picked it up and we, they, you know, we'd get great service. Well, there was only one person on staff there. And there were, I think, four people that were taking their cars back. And I was waiting. And all of that internal rage, that shame, came out. And it came out in a blast toward the customer service person at the car rental. And I threw my keys down on the desk and said, listen, I'm done. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to wait around here any longer. And so then, so Val was left to clean up the mess. And then I went out into the car with you and AJ waiting for your mom to to uh, fix up the, the rental car. And what happened was that I, instead of processing that with you both, because you could have, you both okay. would have been hugely supportive of that. Yeah. Instead of that, what I did was I walled up and I said, you know, and by the way, this is all new to you. I know because I just didn't express it. But what I did was I pretended to be okay. And I, and I acted, I mean, here I teach authenticity and I was, 
so inauthentic in that moment. But my effort was I wanted to make it a good experience. It was our last, you know, you were going to take us out for dinner, for lunch, and uh, and before you took us to the airport. And I wanted to make a good impression and leave a good impression as, you know, as the new father-in-law. Uh, but all I needed to do was to be human and to let you both know what was going on inside of me and and to share it with your mom. And, and it would have taken the stress off and it would have really helped me connect with you. And it would have decreased a lot of my anxiety and just brought humanity into that environment, into that particular uh, uh, that, that relationship in that situation, rather than that pretense. So that's an example of some of my backstage work that I was going through during the time that we were together last week. So I'd love to hear your take on all that. Yeah. So I guess like my, like, it's like, what was like, I guess, you know, even just apply, like, what would it take, I guess, going forward for you to acknowledge, like what, what is so important about acknowledging um, so that it doesn't come up to like a, an implosion again, what, what's important for you to like, what does that acknowledgement actually look like for you, um, to help you recognize what you need? What does that actually look like tangibly? Oh, that's a great question. So first of all, it happens upstream. So I needed right up front to be real clear. I'm going to take care of myself this week. I might need to go to, I, I, I went, I went to bed too late. I, you know, as we talked about how I have to manage my anxiety, I have to really acknowledge I have to take care of myself. And this, although this is a once in a lifetime experience, if I'm going to really show up and be at peace and be connected and loving during the week and have an open heart, I have to, in order to do that, I have to practice what I preach, which is to take care of myself, make sure that I get enough rest, yeah. make sure that I take breaks during the day. So that when I'm continually giving and giving and giving, I need to step back and I need to, uh, you know, maybe go for a walk by myself and just, you know, even in even my walks in the morning, I love to walk in the morning. It's a way of getting grounded. But my, my wonderful family was all around me when we, we rented this Airbnb. So I had my daughter and my grandson and everybody wanted to go for a walk with me, which was great. But I needed to say to them. Uh, in retrospect, what I needed to say is, listen, it's been a great walk, take an hour walk and then say, you know what, I'm going to go for another 15 or 20 minutes just to get grounded yeah. and to really honor that in myself and to really respect myself and to maybe there might have been some things that I could have said no to, including what I probably needed to say no to was to say no to some expectations that I had of myself, Definitely. that it didn't have to have this perfect as, as uh, Leonard Cohen says, forget your perfect offering. I forgot to remember that mantra to say, you know what? I doesn't, everything doesn't have to be perfect. I'm good enough here. There's a really and so beautiful... I could have been mindful of that during the week. Does that make sense? There's a really beautiful quote by uh, Steinbeck, uh, John Steinbeck, who's one of my favorite authors. Um, uh, he wrote, uh, now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. Uh, and I think that that's a really beautiful words for you to live by. Um, because I think that's a huge thing is your expectations on yourself. And, um, even so my, my really good friend, Elizabeth, who came here, she's a, a PhD candidate right now in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, and she's my, my, one of my dearest, dearest friends from university. And so she came, but she's not used to that level of people. 
you know, being a little linguist uh, PhD candidate, her her sphere at home is very small and she doesn't interact with a lot of people. But I really admire her. There was one night we went out for karaoke uh, with a big group of friends who were all visiting uh, and she sang a few songs. And then she said, you know what? I need to go for a walk. Uh, and she missed probably three or four hours of karaoke. But for her, that was the most important at the beginning of her week, the beginning of her time here to recharge. Um, she also, there was another time too, during, um, uh, another couple of gatherings and things like that, that she said, you know what, I'm going to skip out on this gathering so I can be there hundred percent for the next one. Uh, and while it would have been nice to have her there, I would have also probably been worried about her while she was there and she would have been not getting what she needed, but then that way she was able to be there 100% for the times that she was there. And it was the first time I think I've seen somebody just be that honest and true with themselves and just clear with what they needed. Um, and it was really inspiring to hear her say that because i'd never heard of some like i guess coming from a family of people pleasers you and i um, um that it was really cool to see her just be like yeah you know what this is a lot for me right now i'm just gonna need some space be right back see you in a few hours i'm going for a walk i'm chilling out i'm hiding away in this room to have some me time to recharge and to prepare for the you know charge my battery to prepare for that and it was just really cool to see her do that and to not be embarrassed or ashamed of it uh, and to choose the gatherings that she wanted to be there for most. She didn't expect, she didn't have those expectations on herself to be there for all of the gatherings because there are a lot with weddings. But she said, you know what? These ones and these ones and these, this one, this one, this one, these are the most important ones. Those I'm going to prioritize. And the rest, I'm just going to take, do my own groundwork, ground myself, and uh, tuck myself away. It was really cool to see that. And yeah, she did take care of herself. And then when she was there, she was really there. Yes. She was present. Yeah, uh, but yeah. that's, you know, and, and I did not honor that. Yeah. And uh, I learned from that, you know, I, I, I just put everybody else first, I just, and mostly I just wanted it to be a great experience for you. And there's a good side to that. Yeah. But but I also want to say that, that I still have to manage when the anxiety still comes up and the impatience comes up. And even the, some of that rage that can come up, or the shame that can come up. And what I have learned to deal with that is to befriend it. And what I needed to do was, for example, in the uh, in the in the car rental, when it starts to come up, that impatience that because of I didn't have control, and you know, and I and uh, and and that rage started to surface. I could stop and stay before it gets out of hand and say, "Listen, Val, uh, it's you know my rage is surfacing right now. Take the keys. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go and process this with." Uh, uh, it, with uh, Haley and AJ, and or or I could go and just uh, go for a walk and just decompress, but step away from it, and and but but also don't diminish it, recognize it, feel it, but I don't have to act on it, and I don't have to have it control me, but I have to respect. Oh, you know what? I didn't take very good care of myself, and it's starting to surface. And uh, I, I, but I, I cannot afford to act on it because people get hurt uh, and, or I get hurt if I don't acknowledge it and it, then it internalizes it. Well, and I think too, people don't actually care as much as people think they do, right? Like if you need to step back or take a breath or go for a walk by yourself, people actually don't care. And I think that's been something that I, I, I you know, I need to practice what I preach too. Um, but people aren't, don't get mad. They respect it. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you needed to take that chance, I think it's just like reminding yourself that people don't act like it doesn't actually matter to people as much as you think it does to take that 10 minutes for yourself. Right. Or like you're no, not going to miss out on that much, you know. And I love what you just said there. It's usually just 10 minutes. 
it's it's not like oh i'm going to take a day to myself no you know it's just taking these short breaks whatever we need during the day is something healthy and wholesome but you're absolutely right we make up in our mind that it's going to matter to and we're just not that important it's just you know people don't sit around uh judging what we do with you know what you know they're all we're all concerned with ourselves uh to you know to be concerned and even if even if people do judge you know even if if people did judge elizabeth for stepping back and taking care what? of her who cares who cares she yeah. wouldn't she wouldn't make the decision based on what people think of her and it, it is yeah. you know that's to me this is the whole message of authenticity and i think it it applies to work in organizations let's be real with each other let's yeah. be upfront and bring our humanity in our relationships rather than trying to carry around this pretense of perfection and ask for what you need because i think that was something really special with you know aj and i my my husband and i um this week is you know just you know he asked and i i had to ask a couple times you know what like hey can you and i just step out for just a second and just take a breath and find these moments of zen and these moments of calm or you know what i'm going to drive there by myself um you know so that i could just have a moment before i get there just to right or we're going to go step out right now and just have a couple seconds to just breathe right and and to ask for those moments um because people don't always know what you need but it's okay to ask um and how important it is to to you know respect yourself enough to ask for those moments of calm for grounding because it's super important yeah and, and you know and val knows the consequence of me not doing that and yeah. so in our conversation and you know we were debriefing yesterday just similar to what you and i are debriefing right now uh she, she recognized you know she would far rather if i take those 10 minutes or look after myself or go and get some exercise or, you know, go take some qu extra quiet time, whatever it's required to take care of myself. It's serious. I'm not just being selfish. Um, in fact, I'm not being selfish at all. I'm being self-caring so that yeah. the people around me don't deal with my, have to deal with my moods and my tension. And so that your performance, the onstage work looks that and feels that much better and more real and honest, right? Is by having the backstage work be respected and honored and practiced you know it's the same as disney right like it's it, it's the same as disney it's the same as a, a show with a, a theater production it's the same as you know any of, of those types of things you need to acknowledge and honor the backstage work so that the, the onstage work can, can happen flawlessly and beautifully is there anything and, and i love this notion that when we're on stage it's not a performance it's a presence yeah where you exactly. just come and just be that yeah that you know one of the things i failed uh, my drama class when i took a drama <laughs> class in university and i'll tell you the the uh, uh literally i did fail because the, the the drama teacher never could get through to me to stop trying stop trying to perform just be in the role be that person and connect with that person and bring it out and i was i was so concerned what people thought of me this is what made it difficult to be an, an actor uh, I'd, I'd actually, I, I, since then I've taken an improv class and it was a totally different experience just a few years ago. Uh, anyway, I digress. I get down another, but another, uh, on a tangent here, but nonetheless, I like this notion that it's not a performance. Uh, but I, I, I'm curious if you have any other thoughts about that as we wrap this thing, as we wrap this up today, but it, how you bring, how do you prepare for stage work? I mean, other than what you've said, is there anything that you consciously do 
when you come to a performance, um, and I'm going to call it a performance because that's what this, that's what kind of the audience sees it as. I mean, I'm assuming you get there early, you get yourself grounded, you take care of yourself yeah. before you come on stage. Do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, there's sort of, there's two things, I think. Um, so my own work with improv and my own theater background, um, it, like critical, what's really important is when you're actually on stage, you're always in a relationship with somebody else and you're on there to make that other person look good. And whether that's with, even if you're on stage solo, your relationship that is with the audience or with yourself, right? But when you're on stage, you're in a relationship with somebody. And so the mantra that I learned from my dear friend, Abby, um, who you met at the wedding, she's uh, an improv, wonderful improv master. Um, and she says, no matter what, I'm gonna make sure you're okay. Um, and that is my favorite line for when dealing with other performers on stage. Uh, you look at them in the eye and you say, no matter what, I'm going to make sure you're okay. Because if you make them look good, it makes the show look good. Right. And it's, 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 so it takes it out of you and makes it about them. Right. And that's, that's, I think the key to any good, honest, true performance on stage, right? If you make everybody else look good on stage, it will look good. And that should be your focus, not making you look good, making everybody else look good. Right. And that means doing the groundwork ahead of time to make sure you have enough energy to do that. Right. You can't pour from an empty cup, obviously, right? That's the backstage groundwork, right? You got to make sure that you have energy to do that. But once you're on stage, you make everybody else look good. And that's the key. That must apply to teaching. Does it? Oh, absolutely. Can you apply that to a classroom and absolutely. to a group of colleagues in your organization? Absolutely. Um, you know, like the groundwork being, you know, all the lesson planning and marking and everything like that, that goes into an actual beautiful day of teaching. So much of my job is actually not standing in front of a group of teenagers and, you know, working with them. Uh, it's all the groundwork ahead of time and the prep work ahead of time and, and you know, knowing your stuff ahead of time and prepping and all of that. Um, but the, during the day, it doesn't matter what I say. It matters how I interact with people, right? It matters how I make my colleagues feel, how I make my students feel. It doesn't matter how I feel, right? But I have to do the groundwork ahead of time coming in to make sure that I have energy to do that and to do that the best I possibly can. Because on the day of the performance, on the day of the lesson, on the day of the wedding, um, it, it matters that I can make everybody else look good. And that is what the most authentic, true version of myself can be. I love no that. No matter what, I'm going to make sure that you are okay. Yeah. But you make sure the only, my premise would be, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, the only way that I can make you look good is for me to take care of myself first Bingo. so that I can, yes. so that the, so that it can come from my, my love and commitment to our relationship can come from overflow, not emptiness. Exactly. You can't pour from an empty cup, right? You can't, you know, otherwise you're spread too thin, right? You have to be able to take care of yourself before you can give to others, right? And so that's what that groundwork is. It's recognizing what you need as, as what you need as a, you know, beforehand so that you can give to others. You got it. Well, as usual, uh, an amazing conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed debriefing with you. Uh, yeah. We're we're kind of doing this in public, uh, yeah. debriefing yeah. the whole experience. But you know, we we always need to be able to debrief after any experience and bring out this, uh, you know, this backstage work. So it's been a delight. Like anything you want to say before we get to gratitudes? Anything else uh, that you would just want to close off with here? No matter what, Dad, I'm going to make sure you're okay. <laughs> and I'm going to do my own groundwork to make sure you could do that. So for me, it means I'm going to 
go for a run today, even though I'm still in recovery and I'm going to tidy the kitchen because that's my version of self-care so that I can then, you know, be the best person I can for other people. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. We could have a whole podcast on self-care, but, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you've, you've mentioned a couple of things here. Self-care isn't always comfortable. No. It's, you know, taking care of yourself, doing this backstage work. It's going for a run today. Yep. You know, for me, it was getting on the, you know, getting under the weights last night, getting into the gym and getting back to uh, doing some hard work and, and, you know, do something that's a little hard, but you feel better about yourself when you're done. That to me is self-care. Exactly. What are you grateful for, dad? <laughs> well, I'm certainly grateful for being able to just have a daughter in my life that I can process this Yay! work with, that I can bring my backstage work out into the open so comfortably. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful for the privilege of being at a, a most beautiful wedding in the most beautiful venue uh, and just to to have a, a new son-in-law officially now and, uh, and to cool. just have you in my life. That's what I'm grateful for at this moment. Likewise, you? Dad. Likewise, Dad. It was pretty cool to have you walk me down the aisle and, and share our father-daughter dance. That was pretty cool. Uh, and thank you for welcoming in, you know, my growing family too, you know, with uh, my new in-laws and my new husband and all of that. So thank you very much for all of that and for flying all the way out here. I'm just very grateful for my community and my new bigger family. <laughs> well, wonderful. Back at you, Haley. Been wonderful. Thank you very much, everybody. And uh, all the best till our next episode. And stay real. <laughs>